everyone, and welcome to the 88th Squid Circle Gazette Radio. I am Lemo Rock, alongside Chijon Chase, Shazam, Carl Jones. I was given the wrong pills at the home this week. Kieran O'Rourke. What pills did you get, Carl? And Luke Edwards. I don't know, but I got some great ones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are back this week for a very different type of uh, legal activity here today. Uh, typically speaking, for those of you who are uh, long-time loyal listeners of Squared Circle Gazette Radio, you know that we have done the trial series in the past, putting uh, individuals such as Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff, Triple H, uh, even CM Punk on trial here previously at Squared Circle Gazette Radio. Uh, we haven't done a trial in a while, and this is kind of an idea we've been floating around with for a little while. Small claims court uh, here today around the Oaken Table Gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, a series of kind of minor offences that may not necessarily require a full uh, incarceration in the uh, wrestling Alcatraz, but certainly punishable if found guilty by a, a jury of wrestling's peers today, which of course is us five men. Uh, we are looking for a majority vote around the table for the six charges we're going to talk about today. Lots of different things to discuss. I'm very much looking forward to this. We've all pitched our own individual small claims, uh, so we're going to get to them shortly in just a moment. Uh, before we do get to that, though, just a quick upcoming programming note for the next couple of weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing a show that a lot of people have requested on the forums and on the Facebook page, which is we're going to be doing the 2016 draft obviously the brand split's coming up uh, in a few weeks for WWE we've had a lot of people asking what we would do with this situation uh, based on our previous fantasy booking scenarios so we are going to be tackling that next week here at Squared Circle Gazette Radio and on the episode following that we are going to be returning to the Monday Night War timeline talking July and August of 1998 for uh, WCW and the WWF Raw and Nitro as uh, WWF approaches the highway to hell and WCW pretty much just the same <laughs> at the same time but uh, that's in there coming up in the next couple of weeks Tackling small claims, here we go. Kick off first with Carl Jones for a case 001. This is one that you put forth, Carl. Uh, misappropriation of company property is how you worded this. Uh, basically, Vincent Mann being on the uh, the wrong end of the decision-making for putting the Intercontinental title on Shawn Michaels in 1992. Where did this come from? Very out of left field. Um, it is a bit out of left field, but I, I, I thought it was one that would uh, generate some good discussion around the table. Hopefully. As opposed to, you know... The equivalent of me being put up against the firing squad for making such a suggestion, which from the look on Kieran's face is what he's thinking about right now. <laughs> but um, before Kieran crucified me, I want to make this clear. This is not necessarily a critique of Shawn Michaels, the performer. I want to stress that the, the case here is against Vince, and it's largely for blowing his load, might be a crass way to say it, but uh, almost in a panic, if you like putting the belt on Sean too early. We all know he won the IC title off, off the Bulldog at the, well I was going to say the last Saturday night's main event uh, it, would, it would make a not so triumphant return <laughs> but, um, but the, the one and only Saturday night's main event to appear on the Fox network little tidbit there for you little all. tidbit for everyone out there. You say as a suggestion for me it came out of left field, the title switch came completely out of left field you know, Vince in sort of a, a one of his more panicky moments when there's discussions about steroids within the company, general negative press which has sort of been going on from '91 onwards at this stage, and it's just it's a title switch out of nowhere. And to me, Sean wasn't ready for it at that point. He's coming off the back of the "My face is prettier than yours" feud with Rick Martel <laughs> at SummerSlam. You know, conversely, you've got Bulldog coming off the the big win at SummerSlam. We're only, you know, we're only a couple of months removed from that. And to me, Vince made a gross error in judgment. He should have just remained steadfast 
just for just for a few more months. I mean, what what did they really do with Sean following this this not so epic title win, which came across as a fluke anyway from the way the match ends? A feud with Marty Ginetti, which was over quickly for maybe reasons outside of Michael's control, I grant, but crush a match against Mr. Perfect where Perfect is clearly phoning it in <laughs> amongst other very forgettable feuds. Now, my argument is Vince, if he'd held off here, do you, you'd maybe lose the Brett Sean match at Survivor Series 92, but it's not what you'd call a five-star classic. You could have a much more impactful match for Bret Hart against Ric Flair in a return title match, you know, helping to cement Bret. You could do, if, you, if you're desperate to do it earlier, do Michael's Bulldog at the pay-per-view at Survivor Series. Or, the way I would have done it, do it at the Rumble. You can hold off on Ginetti and then you can have Ginetti versus Michaels at Mania 9 as opposed to the match with Tatanka and there'd be no need for a trail of tears by the end of it. <laughs> you know, it, it would just, it would seem more legitimate to me. It, it comes across as sort of out of nowhere, not really befitting Michael's push at the time and Vince clearly had no grand plan at that stage going forward with Michael's by virtue of the feuds he put him in. I'd, I'd like I'd like a bit of feedback from from that that point on. I'm, right. I'm happy to do some point counterpoint. I, I, I think the first thing that has to be kind of broached here is the fact that Bulldog losing the belt was a direct response to the fact that he was about to get fired. Warrior and Davy Boy had uh, had their growth hormone shipments caught by Vince McMahon, and obviously with all the uh, the drug issues that were going on in, in the time at the company, Warrior was gone and Bulldog was gone. So for me. Well, I understand that that's not necessarily entirely crucial to the point because obviously the, 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 the question is it's not befitting necessarily Sean's position in the company at the time. My counterpoint, I guess, would be, first of all, what would have been the alternative? If Bullock had to go anyway, what's the alternative to Sean? Arguably someone like Ramon. Who again, came in with a big push. A, again, a little bit out of left field, I grant you, but he's already given the association with Heenan, the association with Flair wow. by that stage. I think that, that that's feasible. Um, and and on, the, on the topic of the, the steroid point, which yeah, you, you are right, right to make about uh, Bulldog not being long for the world but the steroid bit has we sort of flown a little bit in the face to me on the basis of by the turn of the year they're bringing in the narcissist Lex Luger with, with a physique that could probably only be described as synthetic perhaps perhaps but at the same time Bulldog was the one who got caught red handed as did Warrior so there's a little bit of a difference there yeah that, that, that deniability but, 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 that they can but was that public knowledge at the time no, but no, they, you know, they've been investigated uh, though. So Vin, Vince can sit on things for a while. You know. <laughs> this could have come to light at a later date. Okay, but again, let's go back to the to the, uh, to the key here. What was the alternative for Bulldog? If Bulldog had to go and, and the belt had to go somewhere else, Razor, you think would have been a better pick than Sean? At that point in time, given given the the focus, because there wasn't really any focus on Sean. Let's let's be honest. He, you know, the, the the Martell feud was was generally seen as a bit of ha ha, a bit of comedy, a bit of filler for the SummerSlam. But Michaels card. didn't even win. Um, yeah, which Michaels didn't even win. You know, it, it ends up in a schmoz finish. Who would who would Michaels really? You know, Michaels had been in no feud of any note, un unless you're counting the uh, the illustrious win against El Matadore at <laughs> WrestleMania Eight. <laughs> you know, um, with his sister Reba McIntyre at ringside. What, uh, I'm not certain about the t exact time. What about um, uh, Perfect? Would Perfect have been a decent candidate? Perfect, someone, someone who's held the belt before. Perfect was know. Perfect was out of action at the time, and he only came back as an emergency because Warrior got fired. Yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't. Idea of Perfect teaming with Savage was again the, the word out of left field. It was it was 
done as a necessity at the time as opposed to any grand plan from Vince. Kieran, I want to bring you in here. It seems appropriate, at least, just because you've, you've said in the past, obviously you, you, you're a huge Shawn Michaels fan, but at the time you weren't happy with this. Yes, my perspective at the time was more on the build for Davey and the win at SummerSlam and how big that felt over here. It was something real special, obviously, in, in front of Wembley 8000, including Carl. And yeah, to, to take the belt off uh, off uh, Bulldog so quick was that's was really my kind of my feelings on it. How I look at this charge, but given the circumstances with the Bulldog, I think that kind of usurps that. So then we're looking at your only option being Ramon or Sean. Does it have to be? Does it have to be a heel? Was Bam Bam available? Bam Bam came in at the start of the year. I want to say right. Uh, yeah, he, he wasn't here. Another okay. So the the, the babyface size is a bit weak. I, I, I grant that maybe that's a, maybe that's a poor suggestion. Give it to someone like Yoko. They, 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 Why? Well, because at least with Yokozuna, and let's be perfectly clear about this, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I don't have Listen any. To the man I don't have any. Yokozuna is a more fitting champion. I know this is about being realistic. That's fine. Having a you know, logical rationale for things. You know, at least there's a focus there. You know, at, le- at least there's an I- you know, there's a sort of a sense of what Vince wants to do with the guy. And when he gets the, the WrestleMania main event for the shot at the at the toe, you could vacate the IC belt, have Sean win a tournament to be crowned the IC champion, go that way. You know, just more focus on Sean in a you know, in, in sort of the proper context prior to this, and I wouldn't have an issue with it. It, it is mainly for me that that sense that it, it comes from nowhere. There's been no build for Sean prior to it, and they don't really sort of run with him, you know. Following on from that, he, he comes across as a as a lucky champion, or he's, he's putting piss poor feuds which don't showcase his talent. Thankfully, he's talented enough to, to sort of overcome a lot of things. But I, I don't think the IC title run you know, at the end of '92 and into '93 does Sean an awful lot of favours, really. Did it hurt him though? I wouldn't say so. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't he, he, I, 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 at the time, I took it. At the time, he made me you know, take more attention to him. You're saying that the plan going forward, there was no plan going forward for him, but would that have been different to any other champion they put it on? Given the nature of it, I know which way I'm going to lean on this no. one, Carl. But again, my my own is you. You can still put the belt on Sean in '93, but you can position him for it. You can almost. I hate to use the word, but you can groom him for it. <laughs> you know, prior to him getting the belt, you know, you, you can put more folks on him. Like I say, if if you're desperate to get Bulldog out of there, do it at Survivor Series. Get get a few weeks build out of it. Get some promos out of it. You know, and give him a proper win. If you're that desperate to do it that early, and Vince is that panicked about it, do it at a big show. They, knew, I mean, they they were cutting their own bollocks off on pay per view by by dropping Warrior, who was in the advertised main event, and Bulldog, who was like you know half SummerSlam. So I mean, they did cut their own balls off because they were so panicked. So again, that that panic fire is kind of the argument against it for me. Is there a better alternative in terms of keeping the belt strong? There probably is, but I, but I do think this, I mean I do think it helps Sean a lot. But look look at what that panic leads to. In 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 the short term, when you get a. A Brett versus Shaw match where it's sort of half arse promoted as the IC champ versus the world champ and no one's buying it in ninety two. I don't care who they are, and I love I love Brett Hart. And I have a fondness for Shawn Michaels as well. But you know, let's not pretend it was it was given any real credence or was given any sort of proper promotion. It was just an afterthought, it was thrown together. So and I and I think you know you'd get more mileage out of a out of a Brett Flair at Survivor Series. I don't think it helps Brett either that in in that context. 
I've been sitting quietly looking at the 1992 roster for October, which is obviously the time we're looking at, and, um, yeah, I, I, I can only come to the same conclusion that several other people around the table have, which is that there really isn't an... E there's not even another interesting option. I would say there's not even someone where I could point at it and say, well, you could try something with them. There's not even that. I mean, Jesus, I, I don't want to go into this. You folks at home can go look at the 92 roster, and towards that latter part of the year, it is pretty out. Bam Bam isn't there yet, who actually, when that one jumped up as an interesting idea, but that's... Without an alternative, it's a difficult charge to go along with, if you understand. Alrighty, so let's go uh, around the table here, since we're, we're pretty much at the time limit for this one. So uh, let's go around the table, guilties, not guilties, and uh, your reasons why. Carl, we might as well start with you, since I think this is fairly obvious. I, I, I don't think I need to really elaborate on, on why I'm going with the guilty, based on the arguments I've made, right, right wrong, or otherwise. So all you got to do is get a 50-50 from us two in there, and you've got it. you got it in the bag, it's three to two. Yeah, so, uh, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> Alright, so Kieran, let's go with you. <laughs> It's a not guilty from me. I think this is just another example of a Bret Hart fanboy hating on Shawn Michaels. <laughs> it's not even really a charge against Shawn, it's charging against It, it is. It's a, it's a subliminal charge against Shawn. <laughs> oh, God. And so, not guilty. Alrighty. Not, not guilty. Chase? Um, it, it, it's kind of a tricky one, because I was with you, Carl, at the beginning there, because when you were stating about, like, you know how it kind of damaged uh, Sean in certain ways, or, or you know, kind of impeded him a little bit. Sorry, well, damage. Damage may damage be a strong, strong yeah. word used on yeah. my part, but I don't think yeah. it. I don't feel it yeah. did him any favors. Yeah. It, it, it kind of impeded uh, more potential progress for him. Um, but <clears throat> at the same time, the, the 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 question which everyone has risen, which is just you know what was the alternative and the fact that all of us are pitching in ideas trying to figure out who it can be and they're either they weren't like the timeline didn't match like they weren't in the company at the right time or they were injured and didn't come back the only name that was really kind of mentioned which was by Carl was, was Ramon Razor yeah was Razor as a viable one um, and, and, and Yoko was the other one but the thing is like I don't think they were going to put the Intercontinental on Yoko no, just they because had, they, were, they, they, they were pushing him to the moon and I think and I think uh, even if it wasn't long term initially when Razor came in there was like a pretty big push for him in that kind of main event scene that he was getting involved there so it would have been nice to see the Intercontinental on him but they might have felt like that would have been almost a similar situation to Sean where it would be like putting the belt on him too soon and they probably at the time maybe saw just a teensy bit more in Razor long term than he did on Sean so I just think it's a little tricky I, I was with you at the very beginning there Carl but with the fact of as Luke said the roster's so slim uh, I'm going to have to say not guilty just because I don't think they had a better option I don't think it was a great option but I think it might have been the only one they really had Alrighty Luke yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to misappropriation of the property, this piece of property has to go somewhere. Um, and if you've got to take it off the guy because you're firing him, and you've got to give it to somebody else, yeah, without any other valid option, not that even Razor's invalid per se, I mean, I think there is, he's the only one where an argument could be made, but uh, I can't go as far as to say Vince was wrong in doing so. So I'm sorry, it's not guilty for me. Alrighty, so that's it. That's that's one thrown out before my verdict even comes in. But it is going to be. Don't matter, but it, <laughs> but it will be a not guilty for me as well for much the same reasons. I think this, in in a panic fire situation when steroids is the issue and you look to a small guy who's the second best worker in the company, if not the best at the time, and uh, and you're thinking, okay, well, long term, let's just see what we can do with Sean. 
there were very few decisions they could have made that would have been better because when you actually look at the whole roster I mean look at 1993's Royal Rumble I mean that's all you need to know in terms of the quality of the roster Sean did seem I mean what the ultimate Papa Shango you know what I mean these, these guys Nails No yeah. one suggested Papa Shango <laughs> Yeah I just think I don't think it hurt Sean at all in fact he as my memory from the time it kind of maybe more legitimised me a little bit for yeah, me I, I thought, thought as a singles guy given given what you'd done before then so I thought it helped him um, the booking going forward again that wasn't to do with any plans that was to do with how shit the roster was anyway yeah alrighty so that one is thrown out but Carl James is going to get another crack at the whip here for K002 because he has another one that he's uh, pitching here and this is basically to do with um, quiz about the extortion of Jeff Jarrett uh, sorry, extortion by Jeff Jarrett of Vincent Mann in, in October of 1999 prior to No Mercy. And uh, obviously this is something that's been, become quite legendary in wrestling lore. $180,000 was requested by Jeff Jarrett to lose to China for the Intercontinental Championship on his last night in the company. And, uh, and can't you object to this This being uh, seen as a negative issue? You're here to defend Jeff Jarrett on the extortion case. Yeah, but, uh, yeah believe it or not. I, I realise that Jeff Jarrett has, uh, has a bad rap amongst some most recently for attempting to sell gold, but that's another story <laughs> altogether. Um, let's sort of get some facts out of the way early doors here, shall we? Jeff Jarrett was no longer under contract. He had no obligation to appear at the pay-per-view, had no obligation to the company to wrestle whatsoever. It was a dereliction of duties on Vince McMahon's part to allow his contract to lapse whilst he still holds the IC title, and Vince should know better. We've, we've had all the rigmarole of what happened with Brett and all the concerns he had there. He's seen what's happened with Medusa pro- even prior to that and the women's title, which, you know, at that point, really, the, the bin was the fitting place for it anyway. But that's, again, <laughs> another story. So Vince knows all this. So it's in part his own fault for allowing this to happen. And in a world where the promoters are constantly screwing the boys, why not? I have a bit of sympathy for the boys, you know. Getting to fire a couple of shots back at old Vinnie Mac. <laughs> now that we've got that fact element out of the way, I don't need notes or anything here. I'm going to just get rid of any pretense whatsoever and just look at who Vince wanted him to talk about. To. I was going to say, isn't let's, this the perfect transition just, from the previous let's just Let's just get to it. There are many things in the world that are finer than China. <laughs> She's the definition of someone who doesn't know a wrist lock from a wrist watch. She couldn't throw a decent forearm to save her life. And she was a fucking heel at the time anyway. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, on the same show she appears with Triple H in the main event. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Defending so, the world title. De- defending the world title against, you know, everyone's hero, Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's not as if China's a good choice in any world whatsoever. Jeff Jarrett did exactly what anyone around this table would have done, exactly what anyone listening would have done. We would have done it against anyone. Anyone at all. The fact that it's against China, in my mind, means that Jeff Jarrett should have asked for more money. <laughs> and I know Jim Cornette agrees with me, even if no one around this table will. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard to argue with those facts. It's just, um, 
Yeah, absolutely right. It, it, it is looking at the the actual money fee itself because it, apart from that, I think as as Carl mentioned, I think Jeff was within his rights to uh, to hold him up for money. It was neglect on Vince's part after after previous uh, instances. You'd thought he would have learned by now. So basically, um, you know, Jouts just kind of you know decided to give him a bit of his own medicine. And I, I, I don't I don't know what, what Jeff's personal feelings were at the time, but I'm probably imagining that he was. He was we kind of know through uh, at least his immediate WCW run that he had a slightly inflated. Uh, opinion of himself and thinking that he should have been in the main event scene which was held off on him in in wwf so chosen one yeah so <laughs> slap nuts so um so yeah obviously he wanted to take the vince um so which i'm absolutely fine with that yeah the question is is the fee and and and, and carl kind of really mentioned it if, you, if you're thinking like okay he, he's out of contract so you want him to work an extra match right now First off, I don't think that Air Vince was paying for the travel or the accommodation for the wrestlers at the time. I paid for the hotel for the flights. He did pay for the flights. Okay, so he's got to go for like accommodation, food, whatever, and so on and so forth. Right. So that's going to put a bit of money, right? So that's a hundred bucks. Yeah, that's a hundred bucks. <laughs> well, you know, well, you could you could like tip the scale a little bit, maybe five hundred. But it's and then on, on top, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay, staying in Flair's penthouse suite, the Marriott. <laughs> And then, uh, and then on top of that, it's obviously the whole fact that he, he's going into a match. As always with matches, you get you having like a certain risk element to it. So you know, if you want him to get back in the ring again, that's also a little bit of money. On top of that, and it was wanted, a good he, housekeeping match yeah, too. Yeah, let's, yeah. let us not forget. Right. Yeah, there's even more of a risk element when it's the clusterfuck that is China. And and also on top of that, you also want him to lose. You want him to lose, which doesn't particularly make him look good as he's leaving the company. You also on top of that want him to lose a title. So you want it to be some sort of. <clears throat> prestigious match <laughs> and then on top of that as, as Carl has eloquently mentioned he's going to lose to a woman okay and now for someone who's oh. moving from one company to another we ignore the, the quality of China for the moment but the fact that he's moved from one company to the other and in, in, in the time of that business right he's going to lose to a woman right which is going to damage any potential image and I use that term loosely that he had or selling points so for 180 grand to get up out of bed, do something that he, he wasn't really contracted to do, you know, get over there, get accommodation, whatever, you know, risk his well-being to do the match, lose a title match to a woman, all for him. 180 sounds pretty decent to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I can see you itching to get him here. What are your thoughts on oh, this? Not really, kind of along the same lines. Um, it's the middle of the war, so how fucking stupid are you to have not only a guy on TV in a fairly prominent position who's on, who's contracts about to expire but he's a champion he's okay losing on the way out it's nothing new but losing to a woman on the way out so that, 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 that sounds chauvinistic of, of me and if you listeners know one thing I'm not a chauvinist yeah but you, you but having said that though it's fair to say because how many times when Jeff Jarrett was WCW champion did people use the argument isn't that the guy that got beat by the woman I, I heard that so many times so yeah it's, it's, in that respect, um, he knew that so I guess 180 grand was the figure that he thought were compensating going forward however I feel the knock-on effects of this incident must be taken into account. Okay. Ergo. <laughs> Actually, that's the wrong use of ergo. I'll use, <laughs> use ergo in a second. Vince will never take him back after this. And as a direct consequence... Oh! Oh, I see! <laughs> as a, this is the tenuous link of As a direct, direct consequence of this, this happening, the Jarrett family inflicts... TNA upon the world. Ergo, <laughs> I will be voting guilty. I, I feel that the need to make a counterpoint there with regards to Kieran. This 
event in itself does not directly <laughs> lead <laughs> to the creation of TNA. The death of WCW leads more to that. Something which cannot be pinned solely on Jeff Jarrett. Chosen one. Yes, it can. Luke, your thoughts on this one, please. I'd like to know what uh, your thoughts are on this situation. I've been doing my research, as I like to sit back and do my research on these court cases as we go, because I'm far too lazy to do it in advance. The number I have here, I assume we've been working in pounds with this figure, the number I have here is uh, is $300,000. Okay, this is the thing. This this, no, this number is inflated over time okay. drastically. Yeah. I've, I've heard everything from 150 to 180, 200, 300. I'm going with 180 just because that's the one I remember hearing at the time. No, that's fair. Now, I, I'm working uh, on a different number because... Fuck Liam, what does he know? <laughs> um, but uh, $300,000 is the one that turned up in apparently the Jeff Jarrett uh, TNA DVD, because that seems like a great source. Um, but also, <laughs> interestingly, China's book, uh, which apparently oh, wow. is a thing. So we can definitely trust those. But as an example, I just <laughs> want to put the amount of money in perspective, however. Because, you know, it, that's... it's that's Because I think the amount of money is where this hinges, if nothing else. Uh, in 1999, when this all took place, Taz signed with the WWE. His downside was 250000 for a year. Okay? So, somewhere, somewhere around that 200000 mark is what we're talking to Jarrett, somewhere in between the two numbers we're talking. It is a large amount of money. Okay? This is what a lot of people on the roster were earning in a year. Um, you'd be unsurprised to learn that Juventu Guerrero was earning slightly less than that over in <laughs> WCW. But... Um, yeah, you have to consider the sheer amount of money. Uh, and when we're talking extortion, we are, of course, by definition, the practice of obtaining something, especially money, through force or threats. Now, the question of the threat is whether it's implicit through the previ previous actions of Medusa, which is what a lot of this really stems from, isn't it, at the yeah. end of the day, is dropping the title in the trash. Now, from everything I've read here, Jarrett was in physical possession of the IC title. Yeah. Um, there is also uh, arg there's also arguments of potential collusion with Russo, who I believe left. Is it shortly before? Shortly, this? shortly before. Yes. And there there is there are words around apparently also featuring China's book that bastion of knowledge. Is it a little too soon for us yeah. to be knocking China as much as we have been this episode? Yeah. No, didn't think so. Okay, but uh, yeah, of, of collusion in that in some sense between uh, Russo. And Jarrett in obscuring the fact that his uh, contract was coming up. I, I would say that it would be an act of honor, an act of good faith to do an additional pay-per-view at possibly double your normal pay-per-view rate to drop the title or what have you. It's hard, this... it's hard to talk about what would be a pay-per-view rate in the extent that you get paid off the buy rate. And can, right. can you trust Vince when you're no longer under contract? That is true, but if you're asking for, you know, a year's worth of downside guarantee for one match, that's a big, no, well, Vince has allowed the situation to escalate to this point. They'd, and they'd, 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 they'd wrestled each other the, the month before. He could have taken the belt of Jarrett then. Well, the deal. Well, this is this is where the Russo story comes in. Apparently, he was supposed to drop the belt there, and then Russo said, "No, I'll do it the next pay per view instead." Russo fucks off. Jarrett's deal expires the day before, and then gets the gets the big money. So that's where the conspiracy theory comes in that Russo helped uh, set up this situation. As a counter to this, because obviously there are many, many pros to this. Obviously, it's a cutthroat business. You get what you can. As somebody that I've been speaking to recently uh, said to me, Vince is the kind of person that if you can fuck with, you must fuck with because it's too beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but on on the flip side. The, the do two wrongs make a right argument comes up here. It's just because he's an arsehole. Does that give you the right to be an arsehole? It's back? a dirty business, Liam. It is a dirty business. However, there's a precedent here. In 2005, when Christian left the company to go to TNA, his last 
show was Taboo Tuesday or Cyber Sunday, whichever one it was. I think it was Taboo Tuesday. And his contract expired the day before, and he showed up to the pay-per-view, even though he wasn't contracted, and didn't hold Vince up for money. He just, yo, he was advertised, they didn't realise it was an oversight. Oh, well, I'll, I'll show up and do it anyway. And there was no big scandal there. No big, and, of course, he got bought back. Jarrett did not. So I guess that kind of where, is, is where this debate hinges on, uh, on kind of the consequences of this. Carl, we know that yours is a guilty. You need to convince two of the people around this table that this is a guilty charge. Sorry, not guilty, no, not guilty is, is what guilty. Carl's going for. Kieran? Um, is Jeff Jarrett guilty of extortion? It's a tough one. I can't really... At the end, they, they didn't have to pay him. They did not have to pay him. They could have... They thought paying 180, 200, whatever grand to keep the IC title off WCW TV or even have their champion go there they thought it was worth it it's something they did with the NWA title back in the day with Flair anyway so like it wouldn't have been it wouldn't wouldn't have been hypocritical um, if WCW had done it <sighs> fucking hell T- TNA though so fuck it he's guilty <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense but I don't, I don't, it's my choice I, I, guilty I, I, see the problem I feel like I'm getting hosed now because I know what Luke and Liam's verdicts are going to be I, I don't know what my verdict's going to be yet uh, well go on Chase let's hear it um, Jeff Jarrett extortion guilty yay or nay I, I, this, this is something that you just mentioned briefly I, I just kind of find it strangely ironic because we, we know through past history that if you leave the company and, and you basically try and suck Vince's cock, then he doesn't give a shit about you and doesn't want you back. But if you leave the company and you basically bitch about him or you, or you do something to harm him, he, he, he fucking wants you then. He wants you back just so he can prove that you need him. Yeah. And I'm surprised that Jarrett is one of the very few that bitched him in the biggest fucking way possible, even if whatever the fix the man is, Money, and he's though, never been asked back. Money's a difference to everyone else. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a business thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was the co- yeah. Yeah. He outdid he out- he him on yeah, the business. He, he out-vinced Vince. Yeah, yeah. And, and so because of that, that mixed with, really, if you were asked to put your head in between China's legs to take a pedigree, right, and lose a title belt, would you ask for that type of money? A shit pedigree. Yeah, that. a shit pedigree <laughs> as well, right? In a housekeeping match. I wouldn't stick my head between China's legs for twice that amount. Thinking, thinking about what I've already said about the cast, I think he's within his right for the cast. And also uh, just the fact of just there's no way I can find anyone guilty who has put one over on Vince. It hurt me enough to say not guilty in the la- in case uh, zero zero one to say not guilty. So I'm with Carl. I say Jeff Jarrett is not guilty. Once again, extortion. Practice of obtaining something, especially money, through force or threats. There was no force here. There was an implicit threat, not necessarily an explicit one. I think the uh, the amount of money that was demanded because it. Even if you do take hyperinflated money, you can expect that Jarrett started higher and there was negotiations downwards to get to whatever they ended up at. Because there's no way he said one price and Vince said yes. You know why? Because he's fucking Vince. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, negotiating down. I think the money thing was completely out of control, the amount that they actually gave him. However, I don't see there being enough evidence of a direct threat of force or a direct threat of any kind because like I say the, the evidence just isn't there so I have to go with not guilty uh, that's an interesting point actually because when I think about it obviously we talked about the, the implicit threat of the, the title belt situation um, they couldn't have put that belt on TV anyway because of the whole situation with the, you know, the, the lawsuits and all that gumph and with that said if they cared that much about Jeff Jarrett why didn't they re-sign him or, or, or try and make him they didn't try and make him a big offer to keep him and he's the Intercontinental Champion for Christ's sake so really you get what you asked well, for well that may or not be <laughs> Steve Austin's fault I couldn't possibly comment well no and he's going to have his day in court here I'm sure at some point in future small claims episodes Carl 
I, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one too. I think it's not guilty for Jeff Jarrett on the uh, charge of extortion. So uh, this is a win for you, Carl. I am shocked and delighted. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 50-50, So there's no sentencing for the first two cases. However, we may do with number three. So we're on to a uh, case number zero zero three here. And it's gonna be one put forth by our own Luke Edwards here. Um, the New Age Outlaws, Luke. Mm. On a charge of general harassment, almost said sexual harassment. <laughs> general harassment is the charge. So go ahead, Luke. Tell us, tell us why this one. Because this is a bit of a curious one. Maybe the most curious one on the docket today. I put it to the court that oh, we did know, <laughs> and that <laughs> oh, we do not need to call anybody. <laughs> because seriously, I, I I've gone with harassment because I think it's the most fitting. I I put it to the world that. These days, uh, wrestling fans, you know, most wrestling fans today, they say, uh, are the people who stuck around after the Attitude Era never quite let go. But you think back to the New Age Outlaws, and remember, they were the, remember they were the greatest tag team ever. You remember that? You remember everyone used to say, I mean, they, well, they used to say, didn't they? Because here's the thing, guys. They sucked. <laughs> they still suck. They always sucked. You were an idiot as a child. Children are dumb. Children are really easily swayed. And you were a child once, probably during that era, if you're listening to this podcast. Because it turns out if you come out and you shout at the audience enough, proclaiming your greatness... How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) What's up? That doesn't always work, I suppose. Um, If you come out and proclaim your greatness enough times, it seems people will just believe you despite the volley of evidence (laughs) from all other angles. Every single New Age Outlaws match was the fucking same. Every single one of them. It was never any good. Didn't matter who you put them with. Because whoever you put them with, they were working a New Age Outlaws match. Which is, okay, we're going to beat up Road Dog for a bit. Then Billy Gunn's going to come in and he'll do the thing and hit the thing. And oh, man. You remember their great tag finish? No, me, me neither. Um, all those bits where they worked together really well, like... Um, yeah. What did Road Dog do? Oh, he spoke... And in the games, he did the, uh, the 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 pump handle slam, but he very seldom did that in real life. Because hey, now hold on, hold on, he did a knee too. Did he do a knee as well? Oh, he did. He did the shaky knee, knee thing. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Anything yeah. else? Any right? I, I do that now. <laughs> <laughs> Walking down the street, poor man. <laughs> the point stands though. Is like they. You could hardly even call them a fucking team. You know what I mean? It, it, the, the closest they came to teamwork was Billy Gunn would finish one of Road Dogg's sentences. <laughs> one specific fucking sentence. I would to you that it was harassment. Them just coming out and shouting at you over and over again. And you don't... No, the worst part is you bought into it. You bought into this harassment, people. I'm blaming each and every one of you listening to this. It's your fault. It's my fault. It's all of our fault is putting up with this harassment when long ago we should have said no, Road Dog, and definitely no, Billy Gunn. We're not going to take this anymore. You're shit. I rest. <laughs> I, just, I just love the line of just children are idiots coming from a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> children are idiots. I should know. I should know. I taught them and they're idiots. Contrary to... Luke's very succinct and uh, eloquent charge. I was am slightly older than a couple of you guys here, just slightly, and they were over. Isn't isn't repeating lines so people believe it? So you get over. Isn't that wrestling? They were over. And look at that card. There were no great workers. Hardly any great workers in '98 anyway. 
They were over, Luke. They were over. What more do you want? If they were over, it should speak... Quality of being over should speak for itself. They should stop harassing me to tell me that they're over. They should just accept that they are over. In a humble kind of way. <laughs> this is preposterous argument. <laughs> <laughs> you said yourself. Everyone was idiots. Maybe if, if they, even if they were idiots, we were idiots into thinking they were over. To treat them as they're over, because they were over... This is this maybe this is maybe a charge against yourself for liking them at the time rather than the charge against them themselves. Yeah, I've, I'm along those lines of thinking. Really, if we're all foolish enough to fall for it, then more fool us. I mean, Billy Gunn has gone on the record as saying it was all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> we weren't good workers. So th- there's an element Breaking of that. Easily. <laughs> <laughs> I know. To to the astonishment of absolutely no one. <laughs> Except maybe Billy Gunn's immediate family. Yeah, like O.J. Simpson saying, "You know what? I did do it." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe Bart Gunn felt he'd been hoodwinked all those years when they were uh, come from Texas on their rodeo scholarship, perhaps. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, may- maybe that's really, really our fault, not theirs. I- I'm not going to. I mean, you could argue, in theory, I suppose, relatively speaking, on the basis of that roster in '98. That they were great by comparison. You are the acolytes. You know, acolytes, Martian Thrasher, Southern Justice, Oof. Oof. LOD two thousand. At that point, yeah, you know, you know t- to name but a few, DOA, Los Periquas, the Oddities. You get close to just swearing at this point. These are I, horrible phrases you're coming out with. I know, but as a, as a way of contrasting against the New Age Outlaws. They're, they're that shining beacon. They're Reagan's shining city on a hill in comparison to the rest of this cavalcade of fuckwits. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll f- kind of... Okay, this is the thing. We did a trial before about CM Punk about whether we lived up to the hype. And this is kind of falls in line with that. Not necessarily whether or not they were over or popular or whatever, but did they... They look- probably had better gait than Punk. Well, yes. See, the thing is, for this, this whole thing about the, the, the harassment and the idea of you know, hyping yourself up, and yeah, wrestling's all hype to me. I love hype jobs in wrestling. That's what fascinates me. It was a period where catchphrases were king, and they had one of the better ones, and everybody knew it. But on the flip side, they did have a very short shelf life. They didn't last that long. They, they broke them up within about 18 months of them forming in the first place. They failed on their own. They put them back together. When they put them back together, they were stale as balls in late 99. To, to the point where like they, they they were done they were done when they broke up against after they they lost to the Dudley so I again in terms of like a popular act I can't I can't bury that they were cool they were they were they were over huge but I I see Luke's point on this one in the sense of did they ever really deliver past the catchphrase but if if, if the argument is did they live up to the hype did they live up to that catchphrase did they live up to the, the momentum of being over I mean not really not really for me and again if they did I think they'd have more legs than they did. <laughs> before anyone jumps down my throat or gets sort of bent out of shape in no way am I comparing the New Age Outlaws to Shawn Michaels but when Michaels uh, no, Kieran Kieran's starting to fret he might he might hit me with a glass bottle that's uh, on the fine oaken table but when Michaels has to leave for his uh, quote unquote back injury how good is DX really off the back of Triple H at that point in X Park, really? I I, 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 think the Outlaws, in some respects, are the heartbeat of that, that stable in the, in the sort of, in their, in their early days as a, as a, as a four, as a, well, a four man and one woman group. Yeah, it's a tricky one because they are incredibly talentless. But it's, 
So true. It's it's yeah. just it, I, I I I see your point there, uh, Carl. With um, just post Sean, what are they what were they really going to do? And and at that point, Triple H was just so him, and that's always a problem with Triple <laughs> just... H. Is when when he acts like him, it's annoying because. He's a git. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> to, st- so to steal so, to steal an SNL line, he's as dull as sober missionary sex with someone you know. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Exactly. And 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 X Pog, whilst you know initially, obviously, I had like um uh, you know a good outing coming back. He cuts that like humorous promo on Eric Bischoff's and so on. He was X Pog was uh, useful at least kind of like uh, like cool. Maybe he, he was kind of good for like a year, and then I felt that's when like his kind of decline was going which was actually a lot sooner than the New Age Outlaws I, I, I can see where Carl's coming at as in the New Age Outlaws even if it was all just about the catchphrases and maybe the general attitude of their tag team was what put them over it was the defining segment of the DX team that was babyface because Triple H was just so kind of loathsome and like at least for Sean, he was a good heel, but like he was fantastic. He was he was great at being a twat, but you liked him because he was a good wrestler as well. So you got that Triple H. Nobody liked him, and it's just X Pac wasn't enough to carry that 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 tandem on his own. X Pac is is fine, but he's no Shawn Michaels, so he wouldn't have been able to like disguise the fact that Triple H is a git. But the New Age Outlaws, to a point, were able to kind of disguise that. Yeah, in no way am I saying they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, right. but they helped maintain that jock element of DX. And and just also in terms of like just like the self promotion aspect of it, because you, you briefly mentioned um, in in catchphrase um, Enzo and Cass in that, and I think uh, you you can't have a go at two people who, whether they've said it or not, believe that they were very kind of limited as performers, finding a way any way possible to get over and then have a go at them for doing it it's like that's the constant problem that we have today is where the the the, the wrestlers today don't take enough chances to try and do something to get themselves over Enzo and Cass are doing it uh, and they're doing it very similar to they are essentially ripping mm. off the New Age Outlaws but guess what it's because no one has done that since freaking uh, 2000 when they split up so you know that's 16 years ago so they kind of saw something they thought okay maybe we can put our own spin on that and guess what they're over. They might just be catchphrases. I do actually think they're actually a better tag team as well than, than um, uh, Badass and uh, and Road Dog. But I think just uh, having a go at two guys for finding a way of getting over is not strong enough to find them guilty. I'm not arguing that they weren't over. That would be ridiculous, obviously. But it was harassment in the same way as that's what the New Age Outlaws are to me. Their person running around going, "Hey, woo, look at us!" <laughs> Instead of actually doing the thing that I came there to see, and it's like, just, 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 just go away. Stop bugging me. Stop running around saying, "I'm great. I'm fucking brilliant." Me, and it, I don't care if they're over with some people. For me, it's constant, constant harassment every time they're on the screen. Alright, so it's an obvious guilty there from Luke. He's the one that put forth this proposition. Damn right. Uh, I'm going to keep this one nice and uh, simple and say not guilty. The fact that they got split up, it was probably the right thing to do. Give them a try. Okay, they both sucked, so it was only going to go one way. And then, But it's not their fault they got put back together. Well, it's their fault in that they were shit. So it's a not guilty for me. Prior to the times, they were over. Yeah, it went too long. Move on with your lives. You loved them yourself. Jace? Um, not guilty. Orban Jones. Um, as much as I loathe the pair of them as individuals, and I can accept any criticism criticism of them from a sort of bell to bell aspect, you know, 
they got themselves over with a catchphrase, as a lot of acts at the time did. And and Liam is right; they they didn't necessarily have the staying power, but there are an awful lot of acts. If we had if we had time to go through, them, I'm sure we could come up with a lot of acts through that attitude here that also didn't have staying power, that aren't up on a, a charge of harassment. I don't personally, <laughs> I don't Not personally me. like, I don't personally like them in the ring, but there's. The substance isn't there for me to find them guilty. Alright, fair enough with that. So Spineless bastards! So we've had no guilty charges thus far here at Small Claims Court. Case number four, however, is my one, my first one anyway. Uh, one that I'm interested to see the uh, opinions around the table. The WWF on the charge of negligence for not promoting Taz better in the year 2000. Guilty. Well, hang on a second now, hang yes, on a sir. second. It's a curious one to debate because when you actually look at the trajectory of Taz and the WWF in the year 2000, it's an interesting one for me. And it's the reason why I kind of want to hone on this, not necessarily because I think the WWF is necessarily so guilty, but because I want to hear the debate. I want to hear both sides of the coin. Were they, were they negligent to not promote Taz harder? He had the great debut, the, the super hot debut, and, and you know, breaking out Kurt Angle's undefeated streak at the Royal Rumble that led you to believe, you know what, they're probably going to do something with Taz. He, he got such a great reaction, they, they booked him so well, he chokes out Angle, and he walks off to the back, or the stretcher's coming out, it just it looked like a killer, and it gave you hope. And then within the space of a month, he's feuding with the boss man and Prince Albert, and not even winning on a pay-per-view against him. At WrestleMania, he's in the Jabba Hardcore Battle Royal, which is just, just depressing. They had more chances with him. Yeah, they, they turned him heel. They could have done something there. And then they dropped the ball again. They had him feud with Lawler and had him get beat. By the end of the year 2000, I think, you know, the WWF does take a bit of a nosedive towards the end of the year 2000 in terms of ratings and such like that. Interest in the promotion starts to fall off just a tad. <coughs> And a lot of the reason is because they were going back to the well with, with the same guys, as opposed to kind of elevating the new, the new batch that they had come in. Guys like Angle, guys like Taz, guys like Benoit and Jericho. And instead of promoting those guys, and I guess yeah, you could make a broader argument here, but just to focus on Taz, I mean, look at the Royal Rumble 2001 compared to the Royal Rumble 2000. It comes in Royal Rumble 2000, red hot, kills Kurt Angle in five minutes. Next year, Kurt Angle's defending the world title in the main event, and Taz is in the Royal Rumble match for about 14 seconds. And it's just a complete destruction of, of, of some serious potential. Um, now, whether or not it's negligence is, is where the debate comes in, and I'm, I'm eager to hear the counterpoints because there were other options in the company, and I think that's part of the reason why Taz didn't get where he got. So is it necessarily negligence to not promote one guy when there is only so much space at the top? Uh, and so that's why I'm kind of like looking to uh, throw this out and see what you guys think. Y- you're right in that there's, there's only so much room at the top. There's only so much... TV time you can give to talent, and I'm I'm inclined to think that ultimately he probably wouldn't have gone much beyond that debut night, uh, in the sense of you look at the fact they bought in talent, which I I think is was much superior in one form or another. I, yeah, like Benoit Guerrero. I'd even argue, from an in-ring perspective, I think Dean Malenko is a better worker than Taz. Purely from a purely from a uh, you know bell-to-bell side of things. Um, then you throw that Jericho is still relatively fresh to the company. He's not been there that long. You know, six months by that point. That there's there's a lot of talent there, and it may well have been the case that Taz ultimately didn't doesn't reach the sort of the the heights that you necessarily think he would off the back of that first night with the company that being said there is no excuse on the part of the company to not at least 
attempt try, yeah. to capitalise on that one night. You know, if you try and fail, fair enough. But at least try, at least give Taz the you know, the opportunity to fail, if you like. To position him from that match at the Rumble to a DQ finish against the boss man and being beaten down by Bull Buchanan <laughs> to then being involved with the Houdini of Hardcore. It's within that span of three months of just being uh, and also ran in, in the god-awful Hardcore Battle Royal. You know, a lot of that is not on Taz. That's on the company. Look at the guys in that Battle Royal with him. Yeah. Kai and Tai. The, the posse. Mean, the posse. <laughs> you know, I, Hardcore. You know, I, love, I love the posse's couch at SummerSlam 99, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's an interesting one. On the, again, the, the flip side of this is, is interesting though, because you look at a guy, um, it wasn't even mentioned there, a guy who doesn't fit in the elite class of workers, but Rikishi got ridiculously over in January as well. And Rikishi's one of those ones where mm. I look at him, I think, you know what, if, 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 if the landscape was different, that's probably the spot Taz would have ended up in. That kind of underneath the top guys, but above the middle guys. Bottom of the top, top of the middle, that kind of area. That's where I thought Taz would slide in after that debut. And Rikishi was the one that pretty much ended up in that, in that spot all the time. You know why? You know why? It's because Rikishi can reach the top rope without using a stepladder. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's coming down and, and I, I get it, because I was excited by the debut. It's Taz, he was a killer in ECW, portrays badass, but not with people twice his size. Yes. Um, this is the point, this is why I want to and, Yeah, and let's not forget that debut was in New York, so he's got the built-in setup anyway. I just... Yeah, was he underutilised? Yeah. But the expectation that he could be in a similar position in the WWF that he was in ECW is so naive and when you've got the other guys Benoit, Angle I was kind of it was great the, the, the Rumble but in hindsight I'd rather have Angle not lose like that well maybe not because it was funny it's Angle but that's the reason why Angle never drew money because he was comedy yeah um, the shelf life was always there because of how he looks it's hard to take seriously in that landscape and with so many other great workers coming in um he was never going to be what people hoped. Um, Underutilised, yes. Um, negligent. I, I don't think... There might be more extreme cases of negligence yeah. in that same year, and I really think about it. A guy like Raven, who probably did have more potential as a, as a top guy. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of my leanings. Okay. Yeah, um, I'll echo Kieran's thoughts uh, on height being a, such a massive detriment. I've once again been researching, and... Um, yeah, I mean, he's just really short compared to the WWE roster, and that's fine if you're Scotty Too Hotty, who is, I believe, taller than him. But it is not fine if you're trying to work Taz's gimmick and Taz's style. I mean, at the end of the day, the human suplex machine is working with a lot of guys who, for various medical reasons and general height disparity reasons, can't really be suplexed. And, I mean, the, the thing is, of course, is that... Um, a lot of his thunder is taken by the arrival of the Radicals, if I've got my timeline correct in my head. Yeah. Because I remember being excited by Taz, but then it was like a week later or two weeks later and the Radicals turned up and that changed everything at the time. That was a big deal. And Taz wasn't anymore in just that space of time. I think maybe if the Radicals hadn't turned up, you could have... I think it probably would have given Taz a bit more to work with. But you had three guys... Uh, sorry, four guys come in with the Radicals you know, it was clear from the outset that they had intentions of pushing one or two of them, and the other two are just going to get left behind. 
And so you've got four guys coming in. Two of them are going to be pushed and probably taking whatever spot Taz would have had. It's awkward. It's a case of unfortunate timing. And at the end of the day, I look at the um, I look at No Way Out or whatever it was. Was it No Way Out? The second, yeah. yes, No Way Out, where Taz, uh, yes, uh, had a wonderful match with the Big Boss Man, lasting a full one minute twenty three. <laughs> um, and I look at the rest of that roster, and there's not really any other good matches you're going to be able to slot him into. I mean. Hmm. Well, no, the Radicals took on Too Cool. You could have had all the members of the Radicals against Too Cool and Taz. That probably would have been a better match. Taz might have got oh, a bit Eddie, of a Eddie, Eddie, Eddie was injured at the time. Oh, that's, that's of course he was. That's why. Match, yeah. But you, you, you see, you see where it could have gone had it not been. Yeah. Circumstance. Um, although having to reconcile Too Cool with the character of Taz would have been fascinating in itself. But there's nothing else there for him. And there wouldn't really be. You don't have to have him have a, a, an effectively non-finish with the boss man. You can have a 1 minute 30 second match in which he destroys the boss man. Because what, what does the boss man mean? What does, what does the boss man mean to the company at this point? And I love the big... He's a legend! I, I, love, the, I love the big bean cam, but at this point he didn't amount to a fat lot of anything <laughs> in that company. It, his, his peak in, during, during that run with the WF had come with his poetry. <laughs> And I understand the argument of more talent coming in and get, potentially getting lost in the shuffle. And Kieran is right. Height is but, a big issue. But the, 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 you know, the optics... <laughs> I, I understand the, the, the argument about optics, and for the most part, I agree with it. But I, I do think there is a case to be answered here. Because... They didn't even fucking try. 14 seconds, I'm telling you. Jerry Lawler beats him 14 seconds at the Rumble. To me, yeah. being, there's a difference between being lost in the shuffle and being fucking buried. buried. Yeah. I, I, and you mentioned the point of Rikishi. Rikishi sort of effectively got that slight. They, you know, and Rikishi didn't pan out ultimately with the heel turn and the I did it for the people. That, that, that died a death. Yeah, pretty much killed his, but, his run, yeah. But they tried. There is, you know, the, the fact is, the company here... For all the legitimate criticisms or, or legitimate faults, we can pick with Taz and we can talk about why we don't think it ultimately would have worked. They didn't even fucking try to make it work. They gave up just as soon as he came through the door. And if you, you know, if you're going to do that, then it's even more of a black eye in the company for sacrificing Angle to him that night as well. Alrighty, uh, G, you haven't had time to speak on this yet, so uh, given we're short for time, I'm going to give you uh, your opinion followed by your verdict. I, I, it was a good, it was a good point you made, Luke, about the the radicals being kind of influence on what potentially would have been a a, a, sure, a well not surefire but a, a, a decent push for him. I think the the whole thing about oh we got we got put into effect that obviously that debut was in you know is in New York and so on. Well, yeah, it's kind of the you know they do that with a lot of people who's debuting or if you know if they're going to have a major match or whatever you know you try and make it coincide when they're in their their, their hometown or whatever. My issue with it is it it is the neglect because. I, I, I don't buy the whole short syndrome in this argument at all because I think if, 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 you, if you worked it right, if you booked it right, I think you could have got over it. You have to remember, uh, and I was a, a big Taz fan, I remember like, and this is, and the first time I saw Taz was at that Royal Rumble and I was like, this is interesting, this guy's just kicked the shit out of Kurt Angle and it's like, so what's happening? And I kind of research into it and 
remember this is a guy that faced Bam Bam Bigelow in a really great feud in ECW a memorable feud right and you know he isn't a skinny Lizzie he's a fat fuck right he's a big fat fuck who was like three times the size of Taz and yet through through good booking and also from you know decent set, uh, match setups and so on and set pieces it was believable that Taz was able to defeat Bam Bam Bigelow okay and that's due down obviously to, to the way they work the matches and, and Paul Heyman's booking right we're asking here what WWF on charge of negligence for promoting Taz better okay now it's been proven in ECW that Taz was promoted well to the point where he was the most over thing on that card you could probably argue RVD maybe but Taz was the main champion on that show and that and when he left it horrendously damaged uh, ECW going into 2000 so you can prove, even for a short guy, if you're smart enough, you can promote him to look like a badass. Unfortunately, at that time, WWF were not smart enough because they didn't have to be. Because they had The Rock, they had Triple H, they had Undertaker and Austin returning and so on and so forth. So they didn't feel the need to do it. But that doesn't mean that what they did was right. Because as we kind of proven, like, as we kind of uh, shown in like timelines or whatever, they needed to build new stars. They failed to build new stars during that year anyway you mentioned like the radicals you mentioned Jericho but all of them had stop start pushes during that year and weren't kind of didn't come out at the, at the better end of it the only push you could maybe argue was Kurt Angle who got a title run but even then where was he on the card by the time we got to Wrestlemania 17 their pushes were constantly stop and started and so this was just a thing where it's not just Taz as you mentioned Liam it's everybody that came in during that particular time period where they just had no get go to like make sure they try and get more guys over because they, they didn't need to they'd already won by that point let's be honest so who gives a fuck who, who, what, do, do they really need to push Benoit Jericho Taz and so on it wasn't really beneficial you, you know you're mentioning like what happened to him at Royal Rumble just also thinking like eight months later he's feuding with Jerry the King Lawler where he's coming out with a cane and, and glasses and you know trying to pretend like he's blind and stuff or even like it, during the invasion angle where he was like just one of the small guys that Taz slapped for belt and, uh, oh, sorry, with that Austin slapped to the belt. Take the shirt off. Yeah, take the shirt off. And it's like, this is how they demean him. And it's that even then, there was like another chance. There was potentially another chance, right? Because they could have done something with Taz then, yeah. either with the Austin angle, or even before Austin even, even went anywhere near the alliance, they could have done the whole thing where an angry Taz, is, it, who was the face of ECW for a, good, for a good period of time, could have become the face of that ECW resistance again and been doing his angry promos, which he can do well, do the angry promos where he's pissed off with, what, with his lot in life in WF, and so he's reassigned himself to ECW again. There was multiple times they could have used him, and they didn't. And what happened? He got bored, he got complacent, and then he ended up fat. on the commentary Fat. Then he ended up on the com commentary team where he became even more bored and complacent and fat. <laughs> and it's just like from someone that's just watched Taz that was booked well, succeeding, and being a, a, a solid, decent draw for ECW at their level... You mentioned Rikishi. Rikishi was an odd person. If you think later in the year when they chose him to be the guy that ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin, he was an odd choice because he was a comedy gimmick. He was the fat guy that dances with a big ass. So it didn't match. But you tell me what, if they, if they actually swapped that guy for Taz, if they actually built Taz throughout the year and Taz turned out to be the guy that ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm not saying that this would have been a big revolutionary thing for Taz and it would have made him like the next big star, but I think a Taz with a build versus Austin would have been a lot more interesting proposition come late 2000 than Rikishi which just was not believable didn't because work. his character just didn't match the action that he was taking Taz though doing a hit and run probably like a little bit more believable so for me I'm going to say uh, WWF is guilty alright you got a guilty for me Kieran not guilty different time different place different environment different style of working yeah New Jack was over in ECW as well just saying not not guilty. Luke? 
Hmm. It's some compelling arguments both sides. I've got to say, that passionate argument from G contains some really good points. Um, I don't know if it'd be if it'd have worked, but going along with the idea that that Carl put forward, if they didn't even try, that's something they could have tried. I think you've changed my mind. I I can agree with guilty. We had the first guilty verdict for small claims. Yes! score. Fuck you, Vince. Carl, let's hear it. What, what was your verdict? How? What? Which way was it going to go? Oh, it, it was absolutely going to go guilty. So now we need to, now we need to come up with a sentence for the WWF in general. How about um, they have to hold a, a tournament for the short guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, did you open? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. They've got that cruiserweight thing on the network. That's what right? I'm saying. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. I was gonna just in case people want to change their minds off Chase's. Admittedly stellar defence. How the fuck would Taz even reach the pedals <laughs> driving the car? He could have put. He could have just like blocks of wood. He could have just put a brick. <laughs> All right, so there we go. The WF in general, I guess, is a, is is, is a yes. punishable by holding a, a small guy tournament on the WWE Network in the next uh, couple Vince months. In first. Moving on now to case 005 here today. It's the first one to be put forth by Kieran O'Rourke uh, on the charge of fraud. He is <laughs> nominating. British slash smart wrestling fans are being parodies of themselves and proving they are just marks. His words, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Here comes the hate mail. You yes. know what? I just like someone to talk to. Just, just don't, open the, <laughs> don't open the parcels. Uh, I'm tying in, and I'm using the old air quotes here, smart fans, with an emphasis on the British fans who have kind of influenced this niche of the audience particularly at Wrestlemania's post-Wrestlemania's who in particular seem to take it upon themselves to feel the need to get themselves over this is the most pertinent example get themselves over and all it does is prove that you're just marks for yourselves you can tie into the the Cena stuff okay I accept if you hate John Cena then you hate the guy but if you're so smart you appreciate how good he is as a baby face okay you don't like the push fair enough but it's just so fucking great in you fucking mark <laughs> I hope I hope I hope everyone listens to this I hope you're not one of these people but if you are go fuck yourself we are awesome you deserve it <laughs> I was at a show I was at a show two weeks ago in Hereford watching the esteemed Luke Edwards wrestle and we uh, we were drunk we were having fun we were putting the show over helping the show so I remember I didn't boo any heels I didn't uh, didn't cheer any heels and one guy next to me got carried away and tried to start a We Are Awesome chant I felt like punching him in the face (laughs) fuck you you ginger nerd Chris Jones (laughs) (laughs) you're there to watch a show and enjoy the show if you're enjoying the show or hating it for yeah express that but to go to a show the expressed intent of putting yourselves over fucking do with a video camera at home and put it on YouTube you fucking nerds (laughs) so needless to say this is one born out of personal emotion rather than (laughs) logical do you feel this is damaging Kieran yes I do convince me this is damaging it is damaging because it is a small niche of market of, of the audience at times hijacking shows damaging the product for no other purpose than their own shits and giggles. You call yourself wrestling fans, but you're hurting the overall products. And I appreciate you pay your money, you can say and do whatever you want. But if you're so smart 
appreciate the damage you're doing, you fucking self-indulgent nerds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we've had a very visceral, passionate one side of the fence here, so I'm, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be devil's advocate counterpoint guy, and I'm sure I might not be the only one around this table, Luke Edwards. But to play mm. the other side of the fence on this one, the WWE, with with the nature of what it is now, with with so much content and all that stuff, they breed the mega fan. They do breed these mega fans who spend so much money to go to all the pay-per-views and chant pretty much the same thing every single time. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that it's extremely grating and it's a, it's a blight and I, I've hated that this is awesome chant as long as it goes. But at the same time, the WWE completely endorses and, and encourages this type of horseshit. This is one of those things where as much as I want to... Because I do, I, I do hate this type of and we're not the only I don't think this is going to be a thing where the listeners object to this there are plenty of fans listeners of this show who I know hate that element of wrestling because it does take away from it the counterpoint again is do they do this stuff in lieu of real emotion because the product's not what it should be the point being whenever they are legitimately excited whenever they do legitimately think something is awesome now they just chant yes that's but my line it is your line <laughs> but that's why I'm using it because surely you'll be able to, to understand better than anybody that when they are legitimately excited they're not in control of what they're doing they just do the yes because that's just that they're excited and that's all they, they know how to project that when, they, when there is nothing or, or if something's forced or whatever the fuck then yeah, you get the this is awesome chant when they've been quiet the whole match and there's one high spot because that's that's their cue. Me and Luke were on a show last week where I heard a this is awesome chant and it's like, <laughs> and, I can, and I can assure you folks at home, awesome is not the word that I would use. Good, perhaps. Awesome, no. So, but this is the thing. It's kids chanting it. It's kids in the front row chanting this is awesome. Exactly. These because fucking smart fans no. are influencing the future of this country. <laughs> that's what I'm it's saying. It's wrong. <laughs> it is though. But it's that content. Because they see that's what the WWE fan does now. And that's what I'm saying. Blame some elements of fans, certainly. But the rest of them, they're, they're, just, they're just following the trend. They're just doing what, what they, they perceive fans are supposed to do. Because it's what WWE, in part, encourages. Well, then they're just sheep, then. Uh, it's just... That's people. Yeah. It's just... That's sheep. All, 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 all I'll say is, right, because I'm, I'm with Kieran on this, Brock Lesnar guy. <laughs> Fuck him. Okay. Crank Brock, the clown. Yeah. Um, that, that, no offence to that little girl, but that Bailey fan, that Bailey super fan, right? I got the idea. Oh, come on. That's worth it just to see her cry. Yeah, yeah. She was happy when she won the title. They honed in on it the second time when Sasha made her cry. Great, that's it. Leave it at that. Now, every time Bailey has a match, they show her. She's always in the crowd and they always show her. It's the same with Brock Lesnar guy, or even in the past, pretty much ECW, which I think where at least the, the breeding ground for that type of behavior was. Where the fact that we know uh, at least some of the names, or at least we recognize some of these, these, these fucking marks, right? It's just ridiculous. So these kind of people are becoming like pseudo famous, right? For what? Buying a fucking ticket and standing in a crowd. That's it. That's the ridiculous nature of it. And, and I'm absolutely full on board with what Kieran said. It's just, it's, it's, it's been like I guess perpetuated by by some of the British British that go over that do it, and it's like why don't you try and be part of the audience properly and try and put over the pro- you know put the pro- product in the right way. To, 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 to qualify this, to qualify this, Chase is absolutely right. It was it was self indulgent, but it was still organic in ECW and it was in an insular environment that was right for them. When it first started, and the reason I mentioned the British fans was because that that influence of WrestleMania, post WrestleMania, when it was organic, it was awesome. Mm. But now it's it, now it's fraud because it's false it's and become a parody, parody itself. of yeah. itself. Yeah. Well, this is the thing though. Cause you're talking about that. You know, what if the fans are so much? Why don't they go out of their way to put it over? It's like because, you know, a lot of this. Let's not forget a lot of this kind of 
started because they weren't happy with it. You know, they, they fucking they, they started being ridiculous with the chance because there was a Seamus Orton match in the ring on Raw and it sucked ass. You know, they were sarcastic because Daniel Bryan got beaten 18 seconds, so they, they fucking they, they, they had their role in that show and, and people weren't complaining about it then. Yeah. They encouraged the, 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 the voice of the fans, the yes movement. Keep up with this smart mark chance, people. Yeah, and, and, and let's get to that because I. This is something. I, I find myself a bit like. Jeff Hardy in 2003. I'm conflicted. <laughs> I'm not going to start calling people. What a reference I'm not going to start calling people brother Nero and you know <laughs> oh, jump, jumping onto coffee tables or anything like that. But but I do you find my... at the same speed. If that helps. <laughs> <laughs> but I am struggling with this one because it is so incredibly grating to hear, and I appreciate the argument that that fans it, it's part of their way in some respects of either voicing their displeasure or showing their approval or something but you I always say I think you can voice your displeasure in the old fashioned way by just booing what you're seeing as opposed to saying we are awesome and doing it, doing your own little what chant what happened to the bullshit chant <laughs> yeah what happened to the old bullshit chant or just or plain old fashioned boring <laughs> if you're unhappy with something um, don't chant for Byron Saxon people <laughs> god but, but by the same token, this is a culture that the WWE in particular have created. Let's go back to Taboo Tuesday. Let's go back to the raw voting for matches. They helped fester this environment. In many respects, they are reaping what they sow. And, gee, you're, you're, I understand your frustration at certain fans. In particular, you know, Brock Lesnar guy who pisses me off the the bloke who must be in his you know thir- late 30s or early, possibly early 40s now with his Fred Durst red new era cap still <laughs> you know, and, the, and the the Bailey super fan but who's responsible responsible for festering that and continue that Th- you know those those people can still be fans but the company doesn't have to go and find Brock Lesnar guy in the front row. It doesn't have to show the little kid crying every time. And yet they do. A lot of these fans do agree with me. I hate the This Is Awesome chant. I hate the We Are Awesome chant. I hate You Deserve It. Yeah. Because it just screams to me of Looking fans. Yeah, fans. the judging stick on this. Fans are... And I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of this. And I'm sure our listeners can say I've been guilty of this. Of, of people being too full of their own shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm having a real difficult time with this one and even now I'm not sure which way I'm going to go for a verdict well, so just, I was just, gonna, everybody wants to jump in at once Luke hasn't said anything yeah. yet so we should probably give him his, his thing I just, yeah, just, I just want to clarify yeah. this whole thing that it's an environment the WWE have fostered I completely disagree with that they didn't want that shit they didn't want fucking to have to use Brian more than they wanted to they have tried to cater for it they didn't foster it is that, is that fostering going along maybe but it's an acceptance of the, of the, of the environment rather than festering it and uh, starting well, it well yeah it's, can, it's, I, it's, can, it's, I, can I just respond to that no okay but the, the Brian stuff I understand you know, they, they tried to, to nullify Brian as best they could they tried to cut his legs out from underneath him but they weren't you know the fans weren't crying out for Taboo Tuesday. They weren't crying out for the old vote on Raw and tout. If they don't remember, fucking tout. Nobody wanted tout. People in the company didn't want tout. But but the higher ups 
insisted on these adding these elements to their shows and it spiralled from there that's part of making it snowballed from there how, how annoyed was everybody when they started the Twitter stuff in the first place now it's everywhere in, in sports uh. coverage and stuff obviously but there you go it's just going back to something that Kieran mentioned earlier is in terms of like this festering over time you know like when, when, when it was natural when it was like little kind of moments like maybe maybe the first with Daniel Bryan when he lost to Sheamus you know where it was just like a, a little general frustration at someone that like not necessarily they should turn around and said okay this guy you know should you know should be the top guy in the company but they just, it was a guy that they found entertaining and maybe at that time they were, they were reacting because they thought he should have got a decent match instead of just you know you know two seconds or whatever it was but from now on, it's, it's it's usually the biggest the biggest the biggest um, showcase for it is always the post mania raw, which has for me been getting increasingly more unenjoyable as it goes along. It, it, it's just gotten to the point where they are hijacking shows now. They're hijacking shows, and and, and I and I don't I don't want to hear like the freaking argument for like it's oh but you know it's because they're not happy with the product. It's like. At, le- at least, at least in recent, at least in recent <laughs> no, history, sorry, at least, at least in recent history, they've been kind of like trying, to, as as Kim said, catering for for them now by uh, you know being more more of the uh, the kind of type of talent that the smart marks go for, the AJ Styles and so on, and yet they still feel the need to kind of hijack shows or try and make things more than what they are instead of letting them breathe properly. NXT is like a big kind of like 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 the epicenter almost it seems within WWE of doing this now where every match is awesome and they haven't even started the match yet okay they did it they did it with um, they did it with uh, on the NXT the, not the, the the last takeover show but the one before that was Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn they had they were just standing in the ring opposite each other and already there was a this is awesome chant and it's like and this isn't like an isolated incident this happens all the time and every time I watch these shows and they do these chants Liam you're the first person to go ugh Oh, yeah. straight away you're the first person to get irritated at first I didn't mind because I was of that similar opinion of ah oh, they're just trying to get into, get into the show trying to get more entertaining but the more I watch it the more I get that exact same reaction as Liam has where it's just like ugh it's just what's wrong with going yeah and boo what's wrong with, <laughs> what's wrong with chanting their name if you don't like Cena right for whatever reason boo him it's just wrong and it's just horrid and it just and it just ruins shows by trying as you said trying to say this is awesome to things that aren't awesome yet or the worst the worst case the worst really the worst one is is when they start saying this is awesome towards, towards an end of the match when the entire match they've been fucking silent oh yeah they haven't done one fucking chat and then all of a sudden someone goes through a commentary table and suddenly the match is awesome it's usually and it's so like, yeah yeah and it's like and it's like go fuck yourself Okay, you were silent. You didn't have any decency to try and like you know, like you know, interact with the match in the right way of cheering and booing, whatever. And now all of a sudden, you want to just try and make something come across as awesome. Why? Because someone just went for a table. It's it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's just it's it's always just fans trying to cater to themselves to try and get themselves over, which is eloquent in the "We Are Awesome" chant. A couple of minor issues there. Things like Nakamura and Zayn, for example. That's not them hijacking the show. That is their positive reaction because they're hyped up for what they're about to see. They are engaged in that yeah. sense. I mean, that's a I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give you, I'll give you, you Postmania Raw. I'll, I'll give you that one. But but things like Nakamura Zayn, I'm not sold on. And things like, I don't like that this is awesome to chant. But I'm not going to slate fans on one hand say oh they're always hijacking the show and then criticise them because they're sat there in silence because they're not reacting maybe they're sat there in silence not reacting because they're bored by what they're seeing wow so much to respond to um, I'm going to start with uh, a little story I, I've tried multiple times in my life to learn a uh, foreign language 
I know what you're thinking. What the fuck's this got to do with anything? But bear with me. And it's, it was harder. When I started training to be a teacher, I had to learn how to um, speak to children with a simple vocabulary. And likewise, whenever I tried to learn a foreign language, it was always difficult because I was searching for words that I didn't know yet. I didn't just want to say good. I wanted to say exceptional and so forth. Now, the crowd in the WWE these days, the crowd that we hate, they it's not as simple as good guys and bad guys anymore. They're trying to express specific things. They don't want to boo John Cena because they don't want that misinterpreted as we think he's a bad guy. They want to say that he do- he can't wrestle. True or false, it doesn't matter. They want to say that because they're attacking that element of him and they're trying to be that specific. And I can understand that, where they're coming from. But it does damage the product. There's no two ways in my mind about that. Is chants like that do damage the product because the human ear watching I, I think back right um you could watch any old wrestlemania or royal rumble any of the kind of you know the, the pre-15 era and and it, it, it's timeless wrestle this last past wrestlemania with some of those crowd chants they are going to seem so fucking shit <laughs> when we're older in 10 years time 15 years time 20 years time we're going to look back on that and those chants that we are going to hear I think they will be a direct detriment to watching those matches back. Because it is so of the moment. Listening to all these anti-Cena chants from the last ten years, nowadays when the consensus has finally shifted towards the petition point that myself and Kieran and a few others have been pitching for a while, which is, eh, he's not that bad. And those anti-Cena chants are just going to seem so outdated and old and shit. When he's proving himself, right now we're watching Raws where he's cutting fantastic promos and things. So, and I knew the moment G mentioned that this is awesome for Nakamura and Sami Zayn, everyone around the table looked at each other because they knew that they couldn't argue with that one. And that just demonstrates that there is a time for them. But you can't control idiots who like wrestling. (laughs) Some of them are kids, and as we know, kids are idiots, right? And you can't control what people think is awesome or isn't. There are some people who will always chant this is awesome if somebody goes through a table, even if, as you say, a match is shit. But there is absolutely a time to use that. Because the Zayn Nakamura thing, even if the match was shit, the moment of seeing Shinsuke Nakamura get in a WWE ring deserved a this is awesome chant. And we're in an era where this is awesome in its purest form really can be those moments that you just didn't think were ever going to happen and it's the strangest time to be a fan right now because there are those moments fucking AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura and WWE at the same time what kind of fucking world are we living in and that's great it's just that it utterly devalues it when people chant that in Hereford (laughs) (laughs) and because there's a scale because you can go back and you can look at the Watt Champ. The Watt Champ predates all of this bullshit we talked about. Austin immediately regretted it. And so many others do because they couldn't control the Watt Champ. It's not like they didn't fucking know. When all these later chants, the Watt Champ demonstrated very clearly that once you let something out of the box, you can't put it back. And you are going to get Watt Chants. And we still get Watt Chants today. How long's it been? Fucking hell. 15 years. That's what I'm saying. 15 years we've still got what chance? Because, you know, people like wrestling never fucking grew up. Look at us. Look at us. (laughs) But but the thing reigns. So you can't put it back. You can't get rid of it. What I feel was still, to me, what is the start of all this? It's not... The British fans have done something to this, though. Because I don't know much about American sports. I know there are some guys here who follow the NFL and things. 
How are chants in that compared to, say, soccer over here and football chants? Funnily enough, you don't hear we are awesome in the NFL. Well, <laughs> you go, well, I don't know, because, you see, the look with... I can understand... Because I originally... Dis- the, 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 I originally thought it was almost a nationalistic thing when Kieran was saying about how it's British fans. But the more I think about it, the more I link it to, to football chants. Yeah, because I don't, I don't follow football. I don't follow any form of football or anything involving round balls of any kind. It's not my thing. I mean, I know, I know Kieran loves balls. But... Um, <laughs> but like my brother recently explained to me, um, oh, on fire. Who's that guy? Chant football chant. Will Will Greg on fire, which is a, a, a bizarre viral British soccer football chant thing um, that that just blew my mind with how how wacky and crazy it is. And I've realised that football, yeah, the British people have influenced this. I feel because it's those chants and those people trying to get themselves over at football matches. That's bleeding into a wrestling because yeah, football. That's that's what I see. I I don't think all football fans can really see that. But looking from the outside in, like fucking hell, it's just a load of marks. <laughs> it's a load. They might be passionate about their football, but they're trying to get their own chance over at this point. They don't give a shit about this actual footballer they're chanting about. Not really. Most of them don't know who he is. It just sounds fun. Let's keep doing it. I am absolutely conflicted on this. Is the point I'm coming down to? After all that, it. it we can argue all we like, but at the end of the day, the charge is whether the British smart fans have become parodies themselves, have proven they're just marks. Have they done that? It's hard to draw the line, isn't it? It's hard to, because we've, we've identified that some of these chants have an absolute valid use. But there are some pricks who just want to start those chants just to be the guy who started the chant. Oh, this is the hardest one. Alright, so we've got Kieran, guilty, correct? Guilty. I, don't, I just want to quote qualify my fred durst cap is black not red thank you carl yes guilty guilty that's two guilties i i believe that this is as much as i hate it uh i i i can't avoid the fact that i think the dewey has played a big part in this and uh and and fans follow what they're conditioned to do in many regards uh, in in a lot of cases they won't but i i think it's kind of the ultimate irony of this is that this started as a rebellion and now it's it's almost like the most conformist thing to do. That's why it's a parody. Yeah, so you're you're literally saying no, guilty. but no, but I don't think it's all the fans. I think it's become a parody because that's what Dewey is, is, is. That's what they focus on. They focus on the minority examples of charge. things like Daniel Bryan. The charge is being the smart mark though. It was. It but was is revolution. It, even smart it was a revolution. It was organic. It's, it's, yeah, but it's and also- WWE tried to homogenize it and fit it into their system. And the smart marks have gone along with it because they don't realize any different. Perhaps so. I mean, maybe that's the case. But like I said, when you got kids in Hereford chanting the same thing as the smart marks, yes, perhaps that is that is your point exactly. But I I believe that the company is is a big enough part of this. I, don't, I can't blame the uh, the fans solely. So for that reason, I'm going not guilty. It's two one, and then we have got Carl and Luke who who look like they're in absolute agony trying to figure this one out. Uh, I'm going to go to Carl first because uh, because Luke has said his piece more recently. So Carl, it's it's not cut in time. Guilty or no? Oh, good God, this is difficult. I'm agonising over this far more than I have any right to. Um, I, I agree with Liam in the way that a lot, a lot of this has been festered by the WWE. It's, it's, it's partly their own creation. But then I look at the specific wording of the charge. And, and on the basis of that, and it, particularly the word parody... I'm, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go guilty. There we go. There's a conviction. Edwards, what would you have gone with? 
You don't have to ask me. I can get away without making a decision. <laughs> it won't matter. Um, yeah. Curious uh, minds want words, to know. Yeah, words of the charge is what it always... is. what we've learned in the court episodes. Yes, it always, always comes down to those words. And it's a strange charge. It's probably the least legalese one we've got. <laughs> uh, in that it's just something Kieran wanted to vent. But you know what? It's been good. Um, parodies of themselves and proving that they're just marks. <laughs> I mean, have ha, has have these how chants, condescending is that? I, I, have these chants become a parody of what they were originally designed to be? Which you're absolutely right is rebellion. Uh, yes, they absolutely have. Does it prove that they're just marks? That's where I get more stuck because really, you can't point at the crowd an individual and say, ah, you used to be doing this for rebellion and now you're doing this for this. Liam's made some very good points in particular that while it was started by those people, I can't demonstrate to you that it's still those people chanting now because the little kids are chanting it now. Those people don't have to do it anymore. They could have moved on to sitting on their hands and not saying anything. The kids will still chant Stop it. watching, for example. <laughs> so, proving they're just marks, um, I can't allow for that. That's the thing. That's my sticking point. So, I have to say not guilty. So, it would have been 3-2. Uh, actually, well, it is 3-2. It would have been go. really exciting if I'd have gone next to the car. We should plan these things out, you know? <laughs> well, it's, it, yeah, it speaks to the organic nature. But, but I'm just... I know we've spent a lot of time going through these initial five, but just quick, I'm just curious. If it had been worded differently, could could your verdict necessarily change? Oh, I could, I could have, I could have slam dunked it if it wasn't for the proving that they're just marks line at the end. <laughs> that needs to be said. It needs to be said. yeah, the chance of absolutely becoming a part of themselves. There's no even debate about that. It, illustrated by the NXT takeover. No, what was it? There's when, when they did the, the fight forever champ for Nakamura, Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. when that match was getting so good. And then there was a match recently, and it's escaping what it was. It might have been Styles and Reigns at the last pay per view when there was like three people in the front row trying to champ fight forever, and it didn't catch on at yeah, all. It's it like. Yeah, and that, that's what that's one of those ones like, oh, this 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 habitual thing from this audience it just it just drives you crazy. So uh, there you go. Now we need a sentence here, fellas. So um how about well it could be along the lines of, you know, they get the old cane electrocution to the testicles while they chant we are awesome and we chant you deserve it. I, I think we could have we got we are. I'd like a year of empty arena matches just to kind of flush it out of our systems. I say we go Egyptian, we cut their tongues out. Okay. God, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the final one on the docket for this evening is Case 006, and it's going to be put forth by Luke Edwards. An interesting one here. I'm going to let you kind of uh, explain what you feel the charge is here, because it's a false advertising for Vinnie Mac. I think false advertising is frankly the only way you can put it. Ladies and gentlemen, the definition of a sport is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against each other uh, or others for entertainment. Competes. That's a sport. Entertainment, ladies and gentlemen, is the action of providing or being provided with amusement or enjoyment. That is amusement and or enjoyment. I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, that false there is false advertising when it comes to the term sports entertainment. Because both of those words individually can be found in a dictionary. Together, it's bullshit, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Utter bullshit. If we take them individually... <laughs> Wrestling is not competitive. It has the illusion of being competitive in the same way that Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker shows you the illusion of being competitive, but no one would say Star Wars is a sport. 
What sports entertainment is, as a single term, ladies and gentlemen, is simply a way of avoiding regulation in Jersey. <laughs> that is what sports entertainment yes. is, as a singular phrase, ladies and gentlemen. It is pure and utter bullshit, and is complete and utter false advertising, no matter which way you come into it. I have a lot of problems with the term sports entertainment, just because it insults my traditional love of pro wrestling because that's what it's it what it is but that's not the charge you've turned this into some kind of semantic argument yeah. that the words sports and entertainment when surely the phrase in of itself whenever i describe what wrestling is to a non-wrestling fan because they say it's fake it's not real it's drama in a sporting environment is how i describe it therefore i would put to you mr edwards the term sports entertainment is indeed bullshit because it's a bullshit way to not call pro wrestling pro wrestling but as the term itself as a fabricated term by presumably the McMahon family as annoying as it is as much as I don't want to hear it it is a fabricated worked term in the context of pro wrestling and therefore I cannot go along your lines of thinking that is false advertising to briefly rebut that um, I wouldn't say sports entertainment is, is within wrestling so much because obviously it's demonstrated to the people outside of wrestling but if the government outlawed paracetamol you couldn't suddenly just use a different word that means the same thing siraparamol and suddenly get it passed again we have a word for pro wrestling it's pro wrestling okay anything else is false advertising it's not the thing is it's like it's it's as if um, sports entertainment is a larger category in which pro wrestling falls into but it fucking isn't there's nothing else in the category which is why it's bullshit it's a completely unnecessary category which is why it needs to be abolished it is simply an umbrella to hide pro wrestling They're, they are providing pro wrestling in whatever form that may be they can't redefine it into something else when it hasn't changed I mean, wrestling, uh, you know, people will say, oh, wrestling's different how it used to be. Not fundamentally. The, the rules are the same. The quote-unquote rules are the same. The performance is the same. The pattern of a match is still the same. The structure of a match is still the same. Pro wrestling is pro wrestling. Sports entertainment, if other things do come under the same category, great. But then, you know, supply the rest of it. Austin gets on this kick, doesn't he, on his podcast. He, he, a couple of years, when Vince did that podcast with him, and Austin looked like he wanted to just rip Vince's head off for using the phrase "sports and saints" instead of pro wrestling. It's 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 one of those things that, to be honest, has never really bothered me all that much, all that strongly. Just because I, I feel and I might be wrong in this, I I feel like I can see it for what it is, which is just Vince's way of trying to hide from the fact that it's it's pro wrestling, and he's always you know you know Vince. Vince has got that kind of self-loathing thing going on where he doesn't want to be just the pro wrestling promoter so he wants to be this larger than life Walt Disney type you know seen as part of the fabric of Americana you know <laughs> but you know that, that kind of horseshit that he pedals it's, it's Vince all over yeah you, you hit it on the head before it was a way to escape regulation in New Jersey and, and that's pretty much where, where it was born it's a way of sugarcoating what it is because it's that's part of corporate Promotion, to be quite honest, in, in any industry, you you fuck. I mean, George Carlin did the great bit about how you know, the dehumanization of language and how shell shock was this term that came about in the First World War, where it even sounds like a you know, the gun being loaded, shell shock, and then it became you know uh, what was it, wartime fatigue, and then it became post traumatic stress disorder, which saps all the humanity. 
doesn't really add anything, but it says the same thing in different words that kind of take some of the sting out of it. And I guess for Vince Pro Wrestling, the words, it's all about taking out the sting that he feels, personally, about it being... You know, whether whether it's the... You hear all the time, oh, what Turner did was pro-wrestling. You know, that kind of stupid thing. So, yeah, I'm not too... Uh, I'm, I've never really been bothered when people use this term. False advertising, I'm kind of ambivalent <coughs> to it, so I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that someone's going to sway me. I'm just going to say, again, you know, in, in a show, and it's like, just say wrestling, but you're forcing sports and entertainment as, as a phrase instead, in lieu of wrestling. Yeah, I fucking hate that. Yeah. But... And they don't use the phrase wrestling, they use the word competing. I think that's one of the key points. That is one of the key points as well, though, which is the banning of the term wrestling. Yeah. In-ring competition. Because that, that is, that is very much where it falls under false advertising, is it's one thing to say, this is wrestling, and also using the term sports entertainment to describe it, because it's a relatively accurate description. It's not as precise, but it's relatively accurate. But the moment you stop... Uh, you you ban outright talking about it as wrestling that's where it starts to become false advertising in my eyes because you are specifically avoiding mentioning what it really is and just using the umbrella term uh, that that's what people who different connotations yeah that's what yeah. people own millionaires who have acquired uh, a football team you know it's suspicious if they come along and go yeah i own a sports group you know, it's <laughs> what's he trying to hide? It's it's a level of false advertising and, and bullshit, and bullshit is the key word here, uh, just as much as false advertising. Um, that I think it comes down to. I remember being on a train to watch some to, to go to some WWE show, and of course you got your your kid fans there, and it always stuck in my mind when when one kid stole another kid's toy belt. And the, the the one kid complained to the parents about how he's taken my championship. Oh, and I remember God. thinking to myself, wow, I can't believe that. But you never hear anybody say sports entertainment other than them themselves. You know what I'm saying? That no one says, oh, I'm going to the sports entertainment tonight. And that, that to me is where the false advertising comes in because they're trying to sell it as something with a different connotation. And when it comes down to it, nobody buys the, nobody buys the, the bullshit in this case. Yeah, it, I'm I'm kind of like on the same basis as Austin here, where like uh, th- th- this whole kind of rephrasing of everything just pisses me off. So so not calling wrestling wrestling and and, and calling it sports entertainment, not calling wrestlers by that name, calling them superstars. Um, they can't uh, refer. I don't think they can refer to championships as belts. It's it's just this this over kind of as you said this this overabundance of like Vince just trying to move as far away from what his actual product is. It's just this thing we and you mentioned with 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 the kid with the with the championship and so on. It's just like people still know it as wrestling, okay. No matter how much they change it, right? It's the old Sif and Jif freaking thing. Right? No, <laughs> matter, no, no matter no matter marathon Snickers whatever. No matter what you what Opal Fruits is the main one. Opal Fruits Starburst, right? Whatever you change anything to, people know what it was. You can't really change it once it's like as, as we mentioned a phrase before once it's let out you, you, you know you can't really change if you turn around and say oh what do you like then I like wrestling what's wrestling and you describe it to them they go oh sports entertainment like <laughs> no one on the planet talks like that and if there is one person they're an idiot and probably a child but <laughs> I think TNA used to do it in some other places you know they would do like um, uh, tail of the tapes kind of stuff you know anything that would actually make it seem like it's generally competitive it doesn't it's just it just ends up being just two guys in a ring and there's just nothing that dis- discerns it as being a sport or even an attempt of being a sport and it just gets into this kind of weird muddled ground of like it, you can't describe it out and out as a sport because you'll be laughed at 
and you can't be descri- you can't describe it out and out as entertainment. So just to kind of call it a sports entertainment, whether it's uh, separate or together, I just I just kind of don't buy it. You know, say, say for um, isn't professional wrestling false <clears throat> advertising because that's implying it's amateur wrestlers who are now getting paid to do it. You can't take mm. sports and entertainment as two separate words. It's it's, and that's why I'm going to go against it as much as I hate the phrase. It, it's not two separate words. It's uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if the word arbitrary term is the correct one to describe yeah. pro wrestling. It is a made up phrase to describe pro wrestling in a way that Vincent Mann feels more socially acceptable mm. in his own mind. It's not false advertising. It's it is it is a created term. So you can't use the two words individually for me. It's like, you know, McDonald's trying to sell themselves off as that they're doing healthy food, right? And you turn around and say, no, no, our menu's completely different now. All our food's healthy. Instead of fries, you can get carrots. Everybody knows nobody buys fucking carrots from McDonald's. They buy fast food. They know it's bad for them, right? So stop trying to say it's healthy, right? The more they turn around and say, hey, this is healthy food, right? The more damaging it is to their product because everyone knows they're fucking liars. (laughs) And it's essentially the same thing. By just turning around and trying to claim it anything other than wrestling, you're insulting the audience that are watching it by trying to describe it as something else. This is an apple, this is just a red fruit. Right? <laughs> a red fruit a day keeps the doctor away. It's like, no, it's a fucking apple. Can we agree that uh, the, the reason is is to hide its true purpose? It is it is being intentionally deceptive, which is what false advertising is all about. It's not to say, obviously they do use other false advertising, like the Did You Know segments, which oh, yeah, were outright awful. lies. <laughs> outright lies. That is literally false advertising. That is literally saying Did something... Did you that, the gate on Yeah, it's just to promote yourself by saying something that is legitimately not true. There is an example very clearly. I mean, this isn't directly related, but that's, that's a false advertising for you. They're trying to promote themselves, and they're doing so in ways that hides the truth. Because, I mean, some of them were outright lies, but some of them were deceptively worded. Yeah. You've, oh, both of you said that everyone knows it's wrestling. So what does it matter? How, how are they false advertising or false promotion if no one buys it? Well, the, the, it's that, not an arbitrary term. That's not how crime and punishment works. Well, <laughs> I mean, just because somebody knows that this thing they're doing is legal and doesn't really give a shit, they should still be prosecuted. It's still breaking the law. But, if that's the case, isn't wrestling as a work all false advertising anyway? <laughs> only... do, do we just put the whole fucking business because it's supposed to be in the, in the context of being wink-wink as it is now? real but no it's more about the fact that there is a term that is understood for this usage and you are deceptively using another term to hide what you're trying to sell that's what i'm trying to say is the false advertising here okay everyone understood the original term everyone still understands and uses the original term but WWE are constantly trying to put out this other term falsely for no reason other than to deceptively hide the original well, now that we're all suitably bogged down in semantics, because this is ultimately what it all boils down to, semantics. It, it's, part of the, it's part of the infusion of middle management bullshit speak that has infected our nation. Carl that works for the council, folks. Yeah. <laughs> whether, whether it be... Whether our it, world, Carl, not just this country. Well, you, you're, you're right. The world, unfortunately. It's, you know, sports entertainment is akin to blue sky thinking, can do attitude, all that Passion to perform. All that That's going to get shit. me fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we all know the backstory behind sports entertainment. We know the bullshit reason behind Vince and the New Jersey State Athletic Commission and Vince's own psyche. 
in the sense that he wants to see himself as being something other than pro wrestling. Hence, the WBF, ICO Pro, XFL. You know, sugar, sugar Ray Leonard versus Donnie Lalonde, <laughs> Evil Knievel, even World Wrestling Entertainment or World Wrestling Federation was incorporated within Titan Sports Inc. We all know about Vince's mindset. And, uh, I hope and that that's, we really don't, because that's a down that road doth madness lie. <laughs> and, and so we fully understand why Vince feels they need to go go to that concept as he does with others like superstars for so example but the the false advertising element to me suggests a sense of sort of duping people <laughs> you know you've you've sold them a bill of goods you weren't selling them <laughs> you weren't selling them what they were expecting now i don't know anyone that goes to any of these shows or pay-per-views or what have you and goes you know what all I got was some pro wrestling, and I wanted, and I wanted sports entertainment. Where was my sports entertainment? Where was my battle dome? Where was gladiators? I didn't get that. The referee wasn't there saying contender ready. What's going on? You know, and I think that's that's why I I, I have an issue with the charge because it it gives the the charge in in and of itself to me gives this impression that it's misleading people and really no one is misled by it everyone knows the story and luke is going to give some sort of textbook legal element to it but let's not let's not let's not kid ourselves (laughs) let's not kid ourselves this is scg court and if we're really going to get let's not go to question the legitimacy of this courtroom <laughs> not around this Oaken table take even the person I let Hogan go free as well <laughs> you know and if we're really going to get bogged down and treat these as anything more than the show trials they are <laughs> then let's then let's just pull the fucking plug now uh, yeah no hey you're right the fans maybe the fans aren't being misled but you know there's some stupid old, even older than you, Carl, marketing guy, sitting there looking to fill some advertising slots, and he certainly wouldn't put his adverts in a slot next to wrestling. But if some young plucky guy comes up to him, ah, no, no, we got this sports entertainment show, you, and, and then just gives him a price for that, maybe he'll put his adverts in that, because he's been misled. He has been misled to spend his money on advertising in that spot, because he doesn't realise it's wrestling. He's never going to watch that slot, he's never going to watch that show. Misled! In in which case, when WCW in 2001, when it was struggling, when even that promoted itself as sports entertainment under the guise of Russo, in, in 2000 2001, I should, should I hasten to add, advertisers weren't fucking duped then, <laughs> despite the <laughs> fact... They're still not now. And they're, and they're still not now. That's, that's why there's no second company. It's why these... Marketing executives, or whatever term you want to use, are happy to say show a rerun of Dukes Titanic. Of Hazard. Yeah, Dukes <laughs> of Hazard, or to show a movie in what used to be the Nitro time slot, despite the fact that it does significantly less ratings than Nitro did. It's because they they still see sports entertainment as the pro wrestling carny knuckle dragging fans who don't have the disposable income we to buy awesome. <laughs> <laughs> to buy what we're peddling all right so with that said it is uh, it is time to call time on this discussion so final verdict we got a guilty obviously from luke damn fucking right g john chase 
You've heard the arguments. Give us, give us the, give us the the one or two words here. I, I, I just keep thinking about that that promo he does where he's talking about the good guys versus bad guys and starts comparing it to type of TV shows, which I would never do when comparing wrestling. Wrestling is its own thing. I categorize it by itself because professional wrestling. It's not a TV show like Seinfeld or Friends or anything like that. And the fact that he's just arrogant enough to keep selling this shit, even though it doesn't work. Um, guilty. Alrighty, Kieran. Not guilty. Not guilty. Two to one. Carl. I I dislike the term as much as anyone, but not guilty. So it's two to two with me as the final yes. word. Alright, so I am going to uh bow to him, Liam, come on. I I you're a man. I did say at the beginning that I was going to kind of listen in on the discussion and, and see what swayed me. The reason I, I'm not strongly opposed to it and the reason why when Austin talks about this, I always kind of think, well, don't you think this is kind of much ado about nothing, Steve? Worrying about the difference between the two since they are ultimately the same thing? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm going to I'm going to let Vince off here and give him a not guilty. I, I don't I, as, as much as the arguments sound, it is, of course, sugarcoating something else. But I do think because there is a valid point in there. It is it is trying to to cover up something, but ultimately it's not strong enough on the false advertising. To me. They, they don't push it as as obscenely enough. I mean, they they push other things to an obscene degree. I don't think they push that sports entertainment tag as as obscenely as they do with other terms that would that would really push this over the edge for me. If it's trying to cover anything, it's simply Vince's own insecurities. Absolutely. And it's a business built on manipulation and, and, and hoodwinking people that, that things are something other than what they really are. So I, I, I can't hold it against that. So, so, so sorry, just so, so if, if, it would, if it had been rephrased differently, so it wasn't just sports entertainment there, it was just generally just false advertisement of every aspect of the company like so say like well, the superstars and things like that so, it so it's, not, it's not just limited to just the sports entertainment monitor I don't itself think but everything else that they falsely this, this, advertise this is what it comes down to for me it's not false advertising it's a uh, linguistic jiu-jitsu oh beautiful that, that to me is what that is which is why I'm giving it the not guilty verdict so Vince runs away scot-free no punishment there for Vince McMahon it's he, nice that the, the S in SCG stands for semantic doesn't it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> So with that said, we've gone through six cases today. This has been a lot of fun, gentlemen. A lot of interesting topics we've gotten through, uh, gotten to throughout the course of this show. Uh, we hope very much that you enjoyed listening to it. Again, next week we will be back talking the WWE Draft 2016 that's coming up. Raw and SmackDown. We're going to lay out the rosters. Uh, we are not going to put this one on the forums for you to feed back to because uh, most of the forums have already got their own separate threads for the draft, and I don't want to kind of uh, start a new. So if you do want to give your thoughts on what you would like to do with a draft or what you'd like to see in the WWE draft coming up uh, in July leave it on the Facebook page facebook.com slash scgradio we're going to be posting the question for your thoughts on the Facebook page so drop your thoughts there and we will read them on the show next week as we tackle the WWE draft 2016 thank you very much for listening this far for G. John Chase oh you didn't know for Carl Jones Luke can I have my pills back for Luke Edwards I'm going to fucking eat tonight and for Kieran O'Rourke. Bret Hart, didn't have time for you this week, but I'm coming for you, bitch. Fuck you, Ben Grinley. <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke, and we are out of here. Talk to you next week. <laughs>